Well, what do you expect in a murder mystery? A bit of murder and a bit of mystery. Yeah. <laughs> and I would say the story of one man having two families was fascinating, but that would be bigamy. This podcast was recorded remotely and contains adult themes and language. Hello and welcome to TV DNA, The Watch List. This week we're going to be talking about a murder at the end of the world and The Crown. My name is Adam Henning and I've invited kings and queens and some of the finest minds to my futuristic hotel retreat in snowy Iceland. Sadly, none of them could make it, but I am joined by Neil Shepek. Yay! How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. So I think uh, Dam- Damien misunderstood my, my invitation. I actually went to Iceland, so that's why he's not with us this week. And uh, Izzy and Grace are both uh, they're doing some course or other, so I think they had an early start. But it's great to have you back on, Neil. Yay. Yeah, it's nice. Now, now that my play's finished, I've had a bit more time to watch some TV and binged a load of stuff on Sunday, the day after. Excellent work. I mean, we should say that your, your play, Newbie, still available on demand at the Space yeah. website. If you want to catch Neil's play, www.space.org.uk. Check it out. Where do you want to start? Murder at the End of the World or The Crown? Let's start with Murder at the End of the World. Okay, great. So this is the new Disney Plus show, and it's essentially the story of Darby Hart, who's a Gen Z amateur sleuth, and she gets invited, along with eight other guests, to this retreat in a a remote location in Iceland. And it's essentially a murder mystery story. It's kind of an, an Agatha Christie, but with a very, very modern twist to it. What did you think of it? I was intrigued by the setup in episode one, and I did watch half of episode two, and I was slightly disappointed by episode two, but there's enough there that I will continue and follow through, as they say. I don't know how much to say without giving spoilers away, but I feel like episode two, certainly the first half of episode two, dropped a lot of the kind of contemporary aspects of episode one. And that's what really excited me. Yeah, I definitely picked that back up. The third, the third episode came out today at the time of recording and I've had the day off and I'm absolutely loving this. So I've, I've snapped up episode three and I think that all of those 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 things definitely pick back up i think there's a big there's a big sort of twist at the end of the first episode you might expect with a murder yes and that well what uh, do you expect in a murder mystery a bit of murder and a bit of mystery yeah (laughs) but that second episode then sort of does drop the pace a bit i think and then first part of that definitely what do you think of emma corin it's darby i think she's very good um yeah so her character the main character is is darby I think she's a really interesting character, which is why I am prepared to give it more of my time. There are question marks in episode one about her recalling of events and her memory. And I find that really interesting, particularly for a potential detective sleuth. And yeah, no, I, I think the trial is, is great based on what the script and narrative are doing. Yeah, I think she's she's fantastic in this. That is, you're right. She's a very different sleuth or detective to to the sort of things you would find in an Agatha Christie. I mean, but full of that sort of Gen Z anxiety, <laughs> imposter syndrome. But she's this brilliant hacker and alternative thinker. 
And she's constantly questioning, whereas Perot or Miss Marple, you know, they're, they're, they're recording details. Sherlock Holmes recording details that are elementary. And she doesn't have that. She seems to constantly be questioning facts, whether they're true or not. Yeah, I think she plays that. She's, there's a kind of fragility to the character, but also she's hyper-intelligent. And I think Emma Corrin plays those that sort of dual nature of the character really, really brilliantly. But yeah, Clive Owen's Andy Andy Ronson is this sort of tech millionaire, and he's gathered all of these great minds. You've got sort of robotic experts and AI experts and activists and sort of free thinkers, and they're there essentially to brainstorm solutions to the world's problems. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things that initially sparked my interest is that the world's problems are down to climate change. So that definitely sparked my interest. Andy Ronson is, to an extent, like a, an Elon Musk-type character who's developing AI um, solutions or robot solutions to the various challenges that the human race are facing. And I think you get... Uh, I think all of those those different characters that are kind of brought in, all of our suspects, essentially, are all quite interesting. Um, yeah. More so as you get into the, the second and third episodes. But we get sort of undercurrents of society's ills throughout this. So things like celebrity and social media to coercive control and, and substance abuse. And I think it feels like this is the end of the world in time, not just in the sort of geographical location yeah. of where they are. No, yeah. I, I completely agree. And I know we're supposed to be spoiler-free, but if you want to stop listening now, if you haven't watched it, and Adam from the future will give you a time code <laughs> as to when to listen again. Adam from the future here. We talk about spoilery stuff for about one minute and 40 seconds. So just skip forward a couple of minutes and you'll be good. More from me, Anon. Ready? Who killed Bill? <laughs> Very good, yeah. Bill is played by um, Harris Dickinson, who's, of course, in the, the Triangle of Sadness, one of the Oscar-nominated films last year. Uh, I think he's really good in this. And, and part of the story is, I, I told in flashbacks, right, we have the Silver Doe case. Darby's written a book about this case that she worked on alongside Bill, where they're tracking a serial killer. So we kind of get flashbacks to their time uh, trying to solve this case. Uh, but yeah, Bill is is the sort of victim number one. Have you got any early early theories? I have listened to some of the various theories on social media. I quite like the one that it was Darby who killed him. There's also the possibility that it was the Silver Doe killer and all the memories after that are projections by Darby with her memory-creating scenarios. When Bill turns up at the dinner party, nobody acknowledges him apart from Darby. So I, 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 I don't know. I like that because I don't know at the point that I've got, you've watched one and a half episodes more than me, Adam, but I don't know at this stage enough about all the other suspects yeah, and I, I, to be honest, I don't think I do. I think these first few episodes, they're really sort of piecing together some of the connections, giving us a bit of background. They do that quite cleverly through the, the AI character, Ray. And and I think we're being deliberately pointed at, at creepy Clive Owen, the, the kind of host. Um, there's something sort of quite sinister about him. I think it's very smartly written and, and beautifully shot as well. 
Yeah, definitely. Performances are great. Um, it's definitely... Well, it got me intrigued by the end of episode one. And then episode two, the first half for me, I found quite slow because we lost a lot of the AI side of things. We lost a lot of the tech side of things, the climate um, crisis side of things. All of that disappeared and it really did become purely about Darby and her well yeah just wanting to find a killer like you went back to an Agatha Christie whereas that I'm assuming all of that comes back I mean any decent writer wouldn't you know kind of throw that in early on and then not return to it so yeah I'm 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 hoping that it, it returns to form yeah there's that oh, this is a really lovely horror and thriller elements to it as well there's definitely a really lovely twist at the end of the second episode. In fact, yeah, all three episodes so far had a really good cliffhanger moment at the end. So yeah, I will definitely be carrying on with Murder at the End of the World and we may we may well do some specials. We've promised some specials of something at some point, but we so far failed on our Gen V, failed on our long shadow. <laughs> we'll see. We'll get we'll get round to something eventually. But we'll let's we'll get round to something eventually, but no more I love yous. <laughs> oh yes. That's the other brilliant part of this, right? The soundtrack of it, particularly that that Annie Lennox track used brilliantly in the first episode. Good needle drops, definitely. Mm. Mm. Should we talk about The Crown then? Yeah. So for me, The Crown, I'm on episode three. So I've watched definitely the full first two I think I didn't finish the third because I was just so tired, but I I watched it very early in the morning. I am absolutely loving it. I can't. I've, I've watched all four, and there's stuff that I really want to talk to you about, which I can't because it would be a big spoiler for you. But um, I I think those. Well, first... she dies, right? No, actually, is that the end of three? I mean, I obviously knew that anyway, but um, at the end of three, I think that's when the crash happens yes so i have finished three it's four that i haven't watched okay i mean to be honest i i, I can't see how you can possibly spoil anything for either myself or anyone who's alive at that time yes well this is definitely an invention of the show oh so um it's not something that has ever been reported before there's definitely uh, a motif, let's say, that's repeated three times in the fourth episode. Those that will have watched it will know what I'm talking about, but I won't spoil it for anybody else. Okay. And I'll just say that for me, this was the I've only I've watched The Crown from season four onwards. I haven't. I, I will go back at some point and watch the first three. You seasons. have to. Yeah. No, I really, I, I do really enjoy it. I do think it's really a really well made show, brilliantly cast. But this was the first time to me that I think the show just failed in what it set out to do a little bit. It's it's come under heavy criticism for for this thing. And I think overall this season has been quite negatively received. I don't think that's entirely fair. I think I think the negativity is a bit extreme. But I would look forward to hearing your thoughts on it when when you've seen it. But I, I thought the particularly the two photographs episode I thought was was probably the pick of this first half of season six. Also and I haven't made in my notes the name of the actress and I apologise profusely to her. I'm sure Adam, whether it's Adam in the present or Adam in the future, will 
will say the name of the actress he plays, Lady Diana. She is just stunning, amazing. Her performance, the mannerisms, the emotions. I mean, the, the, the first half of season six is focusing very much on Diana. And I, I don't think you could ask for a better actress to convey that story to us. Yeah, it's, a, it's Elizabeth Debicki, and she is, as, as you say, yeah, she has it absolutely down to a T. It's, it's, it's uncanny how well she has captured that essence of Diana. It's the other part of the problem with this, certainly this chunk of four episodes, is that Diana's death was such a huge story, such a huge event, deeply felt across the world, the challenge in dramatizing that is that it was just so so big, and I think they do. I really think that the way they did the crash and kind of seeing that, you know, you see the very first scene of the first episode, you see that happening, and then we go back in in time to the build up to that. I think that's done really really well. I think another criticism I've seen is that that, that sort of Charles is is painted as a, a little bit as a hero, and I personally don't have any problem with that at all. I, I just think it was such a big thing. And it's and it's the most you know obviously the most recent that the crown has done so far so it's stuck within people's memories quite vividly and clearly so I think it, it's tricky playing playing that yeah definitely though I've always seen the crown and the royal family as being very Shakespearean and, and probably a large part of that is because. I was an actor and a director for my life. I've done all the history plays and played many roles. And I'm very aware that Shakespeare played to the monarch at the time, which for the history plays was Elizabeth I, even with Macbeth to James I. And I kind of feel like the crown is doing a similar thing. And that feels really fitting for me that they're playing to our present monarch. And they're not necessarily going to portray... I mean, they have portrayed Charles at different points as making bad choices. And they've done that with Princess Di as well. But then they're not going to do that whilst Charles is on the throne. Of course they're not. There might be TV series in 20 years' time, if we are still watching TV at that point, that have a more... I don't know, critical view on it, but I'm not surprised at all. And I do feel it's very fitting to that art form. What's your view on, on Imelda Staunton as the Queen? I think she's good because she's very non-committal in her emotion. And that's, I think, how generally Queen Elizabeth II came across to us very unbiased and following what's right for the country, like putting aside her own personal emotions, even though she'll feel them, but doing what's right for the country generally. And I think Imelda Staunton with that unperceptibility, if that's a word. Yeah, I, I, I think she's doing well at that. I mean, I neither her nor Olivia Coleman for me, be Claire Foy's performance in series one and two. But yeah, I, I, I think she's doing everything that she needs to convey for the story. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think she does the sort of buttoned up bit very, very well. 
great. Well, I look forward to hearing what you think about episode four. <laughs> yeah, I think I might have to watch that after recording. <laughs> you you wet my whistle, as it were. And I don't know if we... I'm, I'm sure we do have a date. Let me see if I can quickly find what date the second half of The Crown is coming out. How many episodes in the first part? There's only four. It's just the four episodes. Oh, okay. And they're very Diana heavy. Yeah. It'd be very interesting what they do with the second half, whether they go as far as Elizabeth II's death. I believe that is the case. I believe they are going um, all the way up until that that point. That would make sense. Yeah. I can't find it now, but maybe I'll drop in or I'll put it in the, in the notes. So, yeah, what else have you been watching, Neil? Okay. So, this is partly because I've seen my family a bit recently and they're all big reality TV fans. So on Sunday, the day after my show finished live, as Adam said, it's still available on Catch Up. I just decided to catch up with ones I'd already started and watch others I didn't. So right at the moment, there are five that I have watched reality TV shows and that I think that's just going to lead me up to Christmas apart from The Crown Uh, and Murder at the End of the World. The main five that I've been watching is Strictly Come Dancing, an annual favourite. Mamma Mia, here we go again. The Masked Singer had a special connected with I'm a Celebrity which has also just started. And then there's also Survivor, which I believe is the first UK version. It's already been in Australia and America, that format. Strictly Come Dancing. I mean, even if you don't watch it, surely everybody knows the format. Yes, I'm very, very aware of the format. Who's who's still in? Who's the, who's the front runner, Neil? Well, the front runner for me is Bobby Brazier who is the son of Jay Goody and Jeff Frazier. And he, well, I, mean, I think we're all very aware of Jade's life and passing away. And obviously he's had to deal with that, but he's also very good looking and a lot taller than either of his parents and has had a bit of a career as a model. He's just such a warm, beautiful individual and is doing fantastic. So whether he's the best answer or whether I just want him to win, because with reality TV, it always comes down to personality. So yeah, for me, we're strictly. Um, the other thing, when I get into Strictly, which isn't every year, but when I do Claudia Winkleman, I like I I love her. She, you know, she's my absolute crush when it comes to DJ presenters and regular presenters and TV presenters. I she makes me laugh. She makes me smile. I think she's amazing. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Claudia Winkleman. Very much looking forward to the return of the traitors, which is happening, I think, mm. before the end of the year. So yeah. That will be good. Okay, so the second one I mentioned is Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. One of my sisters made me aware of it. And it's it's basically a form of casting. So if anyone remembers something about Maria or Finding Joseph, you know, these 
auditioning lead Western roles from unknowns. The Graham Norton, I think, hosted both of those. This is for Mamma Mia. It's Sky and Sophie, the two young leads. And this time it's hosted by Zoe Ball and it is filmed in a villa in Greece. They claimed initially that it was on the island where the film was filmed, but it's not. But it is it is really good. I'm a huge fan of ABBA songs anyway. I'm a huge fan of pop songs. So they don't purely perform ABBA songs. They also perform various pop songs. And yeah, just some really great, interesting newbies, I guess. By the way, newbie is on at the space. Uh, well, at least digitally on the space for the next two weeks. And my favourites, for those that are watching, for the guy auditioning for Sky is either Tobias or Owen. I find them very likeable, very good to watch. They've got good voices. Owen particularly has got lots of comic skills. And then for female... I mean, they're all good, but I really like Stevie. She almost looks like a, a younger Lauren Cohen from okay. Walking Dead. Yeah. She, she's got something about her that reminds us, I think, for ages. Who does she remind me of? And, yeah, I came down to that. Yeah, absolutely great. I, I would hugely recommend if you like, I guess, general pop, and, you know, ABBA being part of that. There's lots to like. Zoe Ball is an amazing host. She's got a great personality anyway. She's really there with the contestants rather than just being out front, like a lot of those kind of reality shows. And that she's always backstage with them before they go on to perform or when they come off after performing. So, yeah, I would hugely recommend that one. Cool. Then... We have the two Joel Domit reality <laughs> shows that's on at the moment. He's clearly a very busy man and very much in demand. So it makes sense for me to start with Survivor. So Survivor has a huge amount of physical tasks. They're pretty much all physical tasks. There are two teams. You've got Lenena and you've got Calaton and... It's it's a, it's a little bit like oh what was it was it called Survivor? I remember like kind of back in the nineties, like Hangover TV at the weekend, watching all these young teenagers that were very physically attractive, like doing different tasks, and there were different tribes. It's it's kind of very similar to that, but more for adults and a bit more diverse um, in the choice of candidates. Adam from the future back again. The show neither Neil or I could remember was, of course, shipwrecked. Involves voting people out. People can swap between teams. People can get voted out completely. There's obviously lots of social politics that go on. It is really interesting. There's a very misogynistic character called Lee, who's very strong, but is very diversive, I think. Certainly for me as a viewer. For those that are watching that, I would say my favourites. I'm kind of stuck between Matthew and Lawrence. They're both very capable at the physical tasks, but they're also... 
I guess, entertaining or charming or morally easy to agree with. So, yes. Yeah, so that, and I, I like Joel Domit. I, I love Joel Domit. So, yeah, um, I mean, he's good TV presence, isn't he, Joel Domit? He, like yeah, he's got great humor. You know, he, he might have posted YouTube videos of him wanking himself off, but we can forgive him for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, he doesn't have a particularly small manhood and he seems to have survived that particular thing. But no, no, he is really funny and he's great at relating with the various contestants. So talking about Joel Domit, he also hosted The Masked Singer. This was a one-off special. It was an I'm a Celebrity special of The Masked Singer. So you had characters such as Huntsman, which is a big spider, bearded dragon. They had a dancing, talking, singing toilet, a dunny, <laughs> I guess. And they also had a wombat. It certainly is a one. I mean, I, I like the Mars Singer. I, I like the various judges from Mo Gilligan to Jonathan Ross to all the various they have on. I have written down, but I'm not going to name um, who the final Mars Singer was. But it, it, it's really entertaining. That that's a one-off. I'm, I'm sure the series will start up again in the new year. But um, yeah, it's a one-off to kind of connect with I'm a Celebrity. It was great. And yeah, just to re-echo, Joel Domit is a fantastic host for that kind of show. And then I've mentioned I'm a Celebrity, obviously hosted by Anton Deck. I've not written down all the names that are in right now. Um, I th- we just had the first episode, so no one's been voted out yet or had a Bush Tucker trial. However, what is causing, I guess, a contentious vibe in social media is the fact that Nigel Farage is on the show. So whether you've seen it or not, Adam, what's your thoughts about Nigel Farage being an I'm a celebrity? Um, well, yeah. So I, of all the ones you, you mentioned, I'm a celebrity is the one that I have previously watched. And I've watched a good few series, not all of them, but I, you know, I've been a bit partial to I'm a celebrity in the past. And so I just had a quick look while you were chatting as to who was in, because I hadn't I hadn't seen who was in the jungle. And there's a few people that I recognise, chap from Hollyoaks and one of JLS and Grace Grace Dent, the, the journalist. But nobody who you'd actually say their names. No, no. If you if you show me pictures the of one them, from Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have wouldn't have known their names. And then Nigel Farage, I just cannot stand the man. I really can't. Uh, but when I was looking this up just now, um, the first thing that came up was that it's dropped 2 million viewers mm. this year. So it's not doing particularly well. And I wonder whether that is uh, a backlash against Farage because he's such an, well, for me anyway, objectionable figure. Well, certainly a very diverse person. There's clearly lots of people who don't object to him. Otherwise, you know, he wouldn't have been voted as an MEP or... People wouldn't, but yeah, he is certainly very diversive. So, Neil, are you going to add to your reality TV show watching by picking up Squid Games: The Challenge? Which I definitely ever... will. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, when Netflix, does that start? And where can we watch it? It's tomorrow on Netflix at time of recording. So, I think that's the twenty second of November. 
Uh, by the time this is out, it will probably already be released. But yeah, I watched the trailer for that today, and I think that looks like something I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna watch the first episode and see how it goes. But yeah, it does look like they're playing most of the games that they played in the TV show, perhaps with some others as well. Does it give any ideas as to whether they actually get shots in these games? Uh, from what I can see, it's paintball pellets that they're being <laughs> shot with. And and again, from, from the trailer I saw, it looks like it's quite an international uh, group of contestants. So I think that could be quite interesting as well. All of those shows that you've talked about sound much better than 007 Road to a Million. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else you've been watching? <laughs> um, no, no, there, there isn't anything else I've, I've watched in the last couple of days, but there, there's plenty on my to-watch list. Well, I might be about about to add some bits. Definitely got some recommendations. There was a huge amount of stuff that came out last week, as well as The Crown and Murder at the End of the World. Probably my pick so far is Boat Story on the BBC. I think all, I want to say, six episodes of this are now on iPlayer. But we, we previewed this. This is Pat and Joseph and Daisy Haggard are the two leads in this. And essentially, it's the story of two strangers finding a boat full of cocaine washed up on a beach and what they decide to do with that. It's made by the same people who made The Tourist. So that kind of gives you an idea of the sort of style of this show. It's it's a little bit bonkers and off the wall. It opens with uh, some narration. We have an omniscient narrator talking to us. And we also get these title cards at the beginning of each scene. It feels almost like in an old black and white movie style. I guess similar to Frasier, but in that sort of more, the way that they are they are designed is more of that black and white movie setup. I'm pretty sure I heard the Frasier's getting revived. Yeah, it's back out. I'm watching it. It's on Paramount Plus. Any good? I'm quite I am quite enjoying it. It's it's not the same Frasier, it's a different show. But I'm enjoying Nicholas Lindhurst in it. He's gone back to Boston and he's it's his son and uh Niles' son as well. And then you've got Nicholas Lindhurst as his old college chum. And then there's yeah, a couple of other characters in there as well. I'm having a lot of fun with Frasier. But if you're a if you're a diehard Frasier fan, you may well have issues with it. If you're open to it being a different thing, then I think you'll enjoy it. Is it as witty and is Daphne still in it? I think it is as witty. No, no Daphne yet. Oh. Uh, there's rumours. Um, Lilith was in the latest episode. Oh, okay. Uh, and I think there were rumours that Ros was going to appear, but she hasn't yet. I think it's about five or six episodes in there. But yeah, Boat Story, uh, very entertaining. Uh, there's a, a kind of workplace incident that happens to Daisy Haggard's character, which is pretty gruesome. Um, but she doesn't point the finger anywhere. She might be needing a helping hand, though. It's got a very, very similar body count to The Tourist just in the first episode. So it is quite violent as a show, but hugely entertaining, very funny. It sometimes is a little bit smug in its cleverness. There's sort of references to epilogues and prologues, and it goes quite meta-theatrically in episode two. But it's, it is hugely enjoyable. I think the cast are all doing a really good job. So, so both stories is quite fun. Very violent and a little bit quirky. Uh, another one on the Beeb is Scrublands. All four episodes are on the iPlayer. Uh, and this is an Australian drama set in the small village of Riversend, or maybe River's End is the metaphor we're supposed to be taking away. But uh, a charming and well-loved priest takes deadly aim with a rifle, killing five of his parishioners. And then one year later, a journo comes to write a piece on how the village is recovering. 
only to uncover elements of the incident overlooked by the police at the time. Uh, it's got a really brutal, I mean, talk about violence, really brutal, but well-crafted opening sequence. And again, we have flashbacks that reveal the sort of dark and light sides to Father Swift. There's a little bit of early telegraphing of where the plot might be going, but it, I've only watched the first episode of this and it's a really enjoyable Aussie drama and it definitely left me wanting more. So I'll be going back and watching more of Scrublands. I think this is another addition to the list of great Aussie shows that we've had coming over this year. The next one I'm enjoying is, is Monarch Legacy of Monsters on Adam's Apple TV+. Plus. This is set in the Godzilla universe. It's set after the, the Godzilla film where he destroys San Francisco, basically. So you get some quite nice perspectives of the crowds and the individual sort of normal people who are in San Francisco at that time. A lot of stuff about PTSD of the survivors of the, the Godzilla attack. And there's a lot of really nice touches where they have these Godzilla evacuation zones and they have these drills and alarms going off and then an announcement comes on to please resume regular life. <laughs> and I would say the story of one man having two families was fascinating, but that would be bigamy. But there are some flashbacks to the 50s. Uh, we've got Wyatt Russell, son of Kurt, playing the same character in the 50s as Kurt Russell plays in the present-day timeline. I'm really enjoying this. There's some good monster action in there. Fairly sparsely used in the first three episodes, but I think we'll probably see a bit more monsterage as it gets near the end of it. But yeah, it's kind of a part origin story, part continuation of that Godzilla King Kong movie franchise. So there's a lot of monster mash. Yeah, there is a lot of monster mash. It's a good show. There's uh, One of the leads is, uh, again, I can't remember her name, but she's in Pachinko. She's really strong. But generally a good cast and a good a good watch. And as with everything that Apple TV does, lavishly, expensively made. Uh, yeah. So, you know, the CGI monsters are really convincing. I've been watching Kin on the BBC as well. Uh, this is an Irish drama. Uh, with a brilliant cast, and it's a very authentic crime family drama. So you've got Charlie Cox, Claire Dunn, Emmett J. Scanlon, Aidan Gillen, and Kieran Hines. And they're great selling, cast. Yeah, really, really strong. And they do, they sell the shit out of it. It's there's a really good end of the first episode, Shock. Talked about this with Murder at the End of the World as well, but it pulls you in. Uh, I can highly recommend Kin. I'm only two episodes into that one, but yeah, really, if you like your. Uh, intense Irish crime sort of show, then this will be right up your street. And then the other new one is Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, <laughs> uh, which is the animated, uh, it's kind of anime style version of the comic books that also spawned the film. And speaking of good casts, I mean, this has the same cast as the film. So you've got Michael Sarah, you've got Kieran Culkin, Neil, in there. Awesome. Um, but yeah, Aubrey Plaza, Mary Elizabeth uh, Winstead, we've just been watching in Ahsoka. I've never seen the film. Have you watched Scott Pilgrim, the movie? I don't think I have, to be honest. Yeah. I still haven't found anyone who has. But this is this is a kind of fantastical, romantic, band-based superhero adventure cartoon. Oh. It's a real sort of crazy, quirky mix-up, very imaginative. I'm enjoying it, I think. I've no idea where it's going. And it is, again, another bonkers show. 
But if you're a fan of animated stuff, I think this is, even mm. if you're not a fan of animated stuff, I think this is a very different show to, your, you know, your normal animation. Yeah. Sorry if you said it, is, is that Disney Plus? That one's on Netflix. So I oh, think okay. all 10 episodes, eight, eight or 10 episodes, I think they're all out now on Netflix. They're about sort of 25, 30 minute episodes. I think I think try the first one. And if you enjoy it, you'll, I'm sure, hoover it all up fairly quickly. And the final one I'm, I've picked up this week is The Lazarus Project Season 2. Did you ever watch the first one of those? I think from memory, I watched the first two or three episodes and it didn't really grab me. But that might have been just because I was really busy at the time because I remember thinking how much I loved the kind of concept and idea of it. But yeah, I can't remember if I stopped watching it just through lack of capacity or whether it was the I got bored with it. I enjoyed the first season of this. I didn't think it was the most amazing thing in the world. And, and I kind of in, am enjoying this one as well. But there's definitely some dodgy dialogue and questionable decisions by some of the characters. They push things through so fast that you, you kind of forgive all of that or don't really notice it. Okay. <laughs> it stops you from thinking about it too much, I guess. I just feel like they either haven't had enough time to work on it as a cast or they're just not committing enough to the whole time travel stuff. Like in comparison to Loki or Doctor Who, yeah, like, you know, really do commit to it. 100%. This just feels a little bit at times like it's embarrassed by the fact that it's dealing with time travel. You're reminding me that I definitely want to watch Loki Series 2 uh, and you're also reminding me that I'm very excited about the new Doctor Who episodes. I think David Tennant did something for Children Need as, and that was a bit of a teaser. But for me, it really does come down to the script. If the script isn't good, I mean, I can't remember since Succession, a TV DNA podcast I've done with you where I've had so many quotes I've wanted to share. And that's because, well, obviously, with the amount of reality TV that I watched on Sunday, you know, it's very unlikely there's going to be some amazingly crafted script work there. But that is what kind of keeps me with the show. I guess The Crown's a bit different as well. But Murder at the End of the World, I didn't feel the need to write down any lines. Well, when I thought we were doing specials on it, I did make a note of a few. Um, <laughs> manifesto on how misogyny was destroying the early promise of the internet was one of my <laughs> favourite lines. Yeah, there was a few others, but I, I won't go to those. There's, there's one other show that I wanted to mention quickly, which I, was The Newsreader. I finished season two of The Newsreader. That was one I started watching the, the week before. I just really love it. It's a great... A great two-season Aussie drama set in this uh, 1980s news station in Australia. Anna Torv and, and Sam Reed uh, play these two newsreaders, each with their own sort of skeletons in the closet. And it's just really cleverly done. I think this is really strong writing. It's It can be a little slow-paced at times, but when you get to the latter episodes of each season, the drama sort of amps up. It's a really satisfying watch. It's kind of one of those ones, I think, that can easily go under the radar. But I, I think it's both seasons, I think, are six episodes. And again, I think if you watch the first one and enjoy, then then you'll have a little treat mm. ahead with the rest of those. Let's move on to what's coming out soon, because Doctor Who is out this week. I cannot wait. I, I'm, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan, and I was a huge fan of David Tennant's Doctor 
and this time with added Disney Plus budget. Have you watched any of the, you know, the whole universe is now on the BBC iPlayer. You can watch pretty much every episode of any Doctor Who related thing at all, ever. Have you gone back and watched any of those? Not recently, but I remember as a kid watching the, well, to say the first generation, um, I don't mean that. I mean pre-Russell T. Davis, like pre-RTD. I, I saw a lot of that when I was a kid and like many others, hid behind the sofa with the Daleks or Davos. And so I do remember that. People were identifying who their doctor was. And I was thinking about that, and I think my first Doctor that I saw would have been Tom Baker, followed by, I think it was Peter Davison after him. But who my Doctor is, is a, is a different question. So, yeah, my first Doctor, when I lost my Doctor Cherry, that was Doctor Fox back in Pouringland. That's got nothing to do with the TV show. But when I lost my Doctor Cherry... I guess it must have been Tom Baker, because I do remember watching episodes of that. Which Doctor did I like most? That is tough, but I think it would have to be David Tennant, which is why I'm so excited about him returning. Yes, I mean, similarly to you, Tom Baker was my first Doctor, and, and, and I think most of the... I, I think I probably watched every single Peter Davison episode as a kid, mm. and then sort of fell off it when... Sylvester McCoy showed up. I think I watched a, a good amount of Colin Baker. And I never really watched much of the newer stuff. I've seen a few of the David Tennant episodes. I saw one of the Jodie Whittaker episodes. Uh, I watched the Chris Eccleston ones, definitely. But I have gone back and watched some of the Tom Baker episodes, and they're absolutely brilliant. I really, mm. really enjoyed them. And it did make me think, maybe what we could do as a regular feature on our watch list things is is go through Doctor by Doctor and watch one or two episodes of each Doctor so we can work out who our ultimate Doctor is. And maybe we could call this the Hooniversity Challenge. <laughs> yeah, that is the perfect title for that challenge. Are you up for it? Yeah, yeah, I am. Great. So for next week, we're going to watch, we'll pick maybe one or two William Hartnell episodes to watch. Oh God, yeah, yeah. And we'll go, we'll go through them in order, and we can report back each week. We'll see if we can get some of the others on board with this as well. But also, by the time we get to Gatwa, we might actually have seen an episode with him in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's Christmas Day, isn't it? I Gatwa. think so. Yeah. The three specials that we're getting coming out, I think every, well, it can't be every week, but anyway, 25th of November is when the first one comes out, which is this Saturday, I think. So that's where the first special is coming out. There's going to be two more specials. Uh, I believe in Duty Gatwa appears at the end of that third special. Oh, amazing. Maybe his first episode proper will be Christmas Day, but I'm pretty sure Christmas Day is, is, is a Doctor Who day. But we're also going to get uh, Neil Patrick Harris and Miriam Margulies appearing as guest stars. And Heartstoppers, Yasmin Finney will also be awesome. making their universe debut. A couple of other bits out this week, uh, just to quickly run through these. We've got Fargo Season 5 coming out on Prime Video on the 22nd of November. This one will see Dorothy Dot Lyon, played by Juno Temple, yeah. as a seemingly typical Midwestern housewife living in Minnesota whose mysterious past comes back to haunt her after she lands in hot water with the authorities. John Hamm also stars in this series as North Dakota Sheriff Roy Tillman, 
who's been searching for Dot for a long time. And the cast also includes Jennifer Jason Lee and shaven-headed Joe Keering from Stranger Things. I will definitely be watching Fargo. I haven't seen any of the other seasons, but I intend to go back and watch them at some point. A couple of other quick ones we've got this week. We've got Such Brave Girls, also out tomorrow, 22nd of November, on the BBC. This is a family sitcom about three damaged narcissists who are desperate for love. It's three characters trying to navigate the world armed with nothing but poor judgment skills and self-esteem that's exclusively tied to people that couldn't care less about them. This stars Kat Sadler, uh, who wrote the piece as well, uh, Lizzie Davidson, who's Kat's actual sister, so maybe a Nepo sister. She plays her sister, her character sister in the show as well, very confusing, and Louise Brealey. But yeah, this is a... a I think looks like quite an interesting sitcom, quite intriguing. So I might check that one out as well. And then finally, we've got Archie coming out on ITVX on the 23rd of November. And this is the story of Cary Grant, who was born Archibald Leach, born into poverty in Bristol in 1904. And it kind of charts his life up to Los Angeles in the 1960s, when personal issues affected his happiness. Despite international stardom and many box office hit movies, Jason Isaacs plays the eponymous Archie. Uh, we also got Harriet Walter, Cara Twinton, and Laura Aikman in this. So nothing to do with the Archie comic books in America? No, no. Archibald Leach was Cary Grant's real name. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Apparently wasn't wasn't up to snuff for Hollywood, so they made him change it to Cary Grant. Any any news bits that you want to pick up on before we close out? I think some of the awards that have gone out recently are very interesting. So I think for the first time ever, British Standard Awards, I know it's theatre rather than film, but there is a film, a streetcar named Desire. There was two actresses that were jointly given the award, I think, for the first time. So they were both given Best Actress, and that was Streetcar Named Desire, and it was the actress for Blanche, the actress for Stella. And Adam from the future, back once more, just to say that Neil was referring to the Evening Standard Awards, and the two actresses who shared the award were Patsy Ferran and Anjana Vassan. I worked with Patsy on a Zoom play, remember those? Back in lockdown. I'll put a link to that in the podcast notes. She was amazing to work with, so I'm chuffed she has won this award. Congratulations, Patsy and Anjana. So I, I think that's been interesting in in the news. And also, ah, oh, someone's got an Emmy recently. The international but, Emmys that have just been announced today. Yeah. Uh, so Martin Freeman won the best. Martin Freeman, that is it. For remem- not remembrance. Um, what's the... the from The Responder. And you've been watching The Responder. Do you think that's a, a good shout? I've, I, so that, that season came out beginning of last year, I think, the first season of The Responder. The second one is being filmed. I think we're due to get that maybe early next year. But uh, yeah, Derry Girls also won uh, Best Comedy in those awards. The other show that we've got a season two of on the Beeb is Vigil, Neil. That's coming out on the 10th of December. Yeah. And, this, and this time it's Drone Warfare. Oh, interesting, because we use drones in Newbie, which is the play that has just finished at the space, but is still on 
catch up. So yeah, by all means, have a watch of that. Speaking of uh, Rising Tides, your theatre company, other news out today, Neil, was that Wolf Hall is returning for a final season. And of course, Mark Rylance yep. uh, performs in that. Did you see the first season of Wolf Hall? Yeah, I did. I thought he was amazing. I mean, he's our patron. So obviously, um, I'm not going to say anything other than he's amazing. But I am saying it honestly, he is absolutely amazing. And I think he was nominated for a whole load and probably won a whole load of awards. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see Wolf Hall, but I am really tempted to go back and watch it because I've heard good things. But yeah, this is going to be the second and final season. I think it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? It's been quite a, yeah. a while since Wolf Hall was on originally. That's very exciting. We don't have a release date for that yet, um, but I imagine it'll be at some point next year. Yeah, anything else? We've got What If has got a release date, Neil, MCU animated show. That's going to be released on the 22nd of December. So I'm quite excited about that. Fab, so um, what's our podcast called, Neil? Our podcast is called TV DNA. What's that thing that peas grow in? Peas, pods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, TVDNA Pod at TVDNA Pod is where you can find us on all good social media channels. I think that almost counts as you telling everyone about the socials. <laughs> you already know this. You wouldn't be listening to us if you didn't. But, but if you Adam, could... if you really feel the need to tell people who aren't listening how to listen to us, go ahead. It's about how to engage with us on the, you know, you can tell us what you think about Neil's thoughts on those reality TV shows. You can also email tvdnapod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you're watching and enjoying at the moment. We're going to be back. I'm not going to promise we're going to be back with any specials. We're going to try. We're going to include the Hooniversity Challenge in our future watch list episode. And I expect we'll be talking about Fargo next week because uh, I know there's a few of us who are excited about watching that. But yeah, this has been a lot of fun, Neil. Thanks for joining me on this. And thank you, Adam. I've really enjoyed it. I, I always enjoy this. That's great. Yeah, good fun. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back soon. Goodbye. Hey, greetings from Iceland, or as they say in Icelandic. Hey, <laughs> Demo here. I have watched the first episode of The Murder at the End of the World, and I was so enamoured and enwrapped by the geography that I immediately jumped on a plane to come straight to Iceland. Joking aside, I'm afraid it was not for me. There's some good performances in there, but it wasn't my kind of show. I particularly found the, oh, we're gonna introduce all the other characters through <laughs> really clumsy dialogue on this private plane. It's not a recommend from me, but no doubt, I'm sure everyone else has enjoyed it and I'm just being a miserable old bastard. I love you all. Bye.